0: All right, so in 1 John 4 13 to 19, we first, uh, we again, our talk, it again begins to talk about the Holy Spirit as a witness to us or a knowledge, giving us the knowledge that we abide in Christ. So it says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And I wanted to kind of go back a little bit and, and go back to the. the, the verses that talk about the Holy Spirit before we kind of get into this part, and kind of uh, uh, examine what the Spirit does and uh, what it produces in our lives as far as what John has said already. And then we're going to get into what it's saying today. So going back to 324, uh, if someone could read that out loud, 1 John 324.
1: The one who keeps his commands remains in him, and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us.
0: Okay, so the way we know that he remains or abides in us is by the spirit whom he has given us. So in this context, what is the uh, spirit helping us do? 324. Maybe that's... Uh, keep
1: his commandments.
0: Keep his commandments. So what, what would be a short... I'm just going to use the word obedience. Okay. Help The Spirit helps us with obedience. And that's how we have, to have an understanding. We keep his commandments. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit that he has given us. So the Spirit helps with obedience. And in the context it's talking about um, abiding in God based on the fact that we're keeping his commandments. So going up to four two. Somebody read that one out loud.
2: By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Okay. By this you
0: know the spirit of God. The spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So there's a there's a uh, the confession that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. God come to flesh. We won't get into all, all of that meaning right now, but there's confession of truth about who Jesus is mm-hmm. that we've already talked about quite a bit. So we know uh, that the Spirit of God produces this <clears throat> confession that Jesus Christ is coming the f- flesh. 4.6. Could somebody read that? We
1: are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error.
0: So we know that the spirit that brings truth, the Holy Spirit, is there when someone listens to us. Who is us in this context? Believers. Who? Believers. Believers believers but there's a more specific thing that um, if we go back to uh, very the very beginning of the book of First John go back to the very beginning 1 1 it says that which is from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us okay who is he talking about there this is one of those easy answers in the the Bible study who is John talking about there
3: John himself
0: okay he's when he's saying we in this context he's talking about the disciples he's talking about them as a group Having seen Jesus, it says we've seen him with our eyes we looked upon him. We have touched with our hands. That's, that's key. We've touched the Son of God. We've, we've been in his presence. And, and then he said, he was made manifest. We've seen it. We testified to it proclaimed to you. Okay. And he goes on to talk about uh, you can too have fellowship with us. And uh, our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So it's Jesus that they have, he's introducing, but in the context when he's saying we, and talking about testifying and proclaiming, he's talking about them as disciples. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to 4.6, okay? Go back to 4.6 when he says, uh, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Who is he talking about? Of the same, so they're the apostles, say apostles, and listening to the apostles would be would be a listening to their teaching. Teaching, so the apostles' doctrine will say. So, so when we get to this one here, in um, I've kind of gone back and forth on this, and I've looked in different people that are. Uh, been written commentaries on this and they kind of don't agree and sometimes they just gloss over it but in verse 13 when he begins to talk about us by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit um, there's there's a, there's a little bit of uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of change in the wording there it, these ones say he's given us his spirit okay that we have the Spirit, and the Spirit bears witness. In this one it's talking about, now, I'm not going to say this is exactly it, okay? But I believe that he, in this context he's talking about that God has given them, the apostles, the ones teaching, the ones proclaiming of his Spirit, this this witness to who, who God is. Because he says in verse 14, and we have seen and testified, that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. We have seen and testified. So He's talking about the testifying again. He's talking about what He's seen again. Okay? So He's talking about an experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ that I believe it's really talking about the Apostles, but I think in a, in a broader sense, it's also talking of, about the fact that the Holy Spirit does give us the understanding that we abide in Him and he and us, okay. So, even if you if you want to read us there as just the apostles, or if you want to read it as all of Christians, I don't think it makes that much difference. But in a way, I think that he's talking about them as uh, he may be talking about them both as just the as the apostles and as all Christians. That the Spirit uh, gives us this knowledge that we abide in Him and He and us. Any questions about that so far?
2: Maybe that's kind of just... You're saying the difference, Randy, is this one in verse 13, it says he has given us of his spirit as yes. opposed to given us his spirit.
0: Yeah, that, that the spirit has given them something that's that's extra to... <laughs> But, but then then as I've, I've read it and I've gone back in my mind and thought well maybe it's maybe it is actually talking about how we know kind of like where it says in, in uh, Romans 8:16 the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God now how does that happen? well there's a knowledge that the Holy Spirit gives us that we are the children of God and it may be talking about something similar to that here and I think you mentioned something about this Jared when we were talking but Um, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is there testifying to who Jesus is. Now, if you go back to John, when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, he talked about this one that he would send, and he says, when he will come, he will testify of me. Okay? Mm -hmm. He will give glory to me. and, And a bunch of other things that the Holy Spirit would do. So, but it, it says in this verse that this is how we have this knowledge that we abide in Christ because we, we have the Spirit of God in our lives. So, we'll kind of move on from there. Um, one of the things that uh, kind of notes on verse 14, this phrase, Savior of the world, it says, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to, to be the savior of the world. Now the fact that the father chose, chooses to use Jesus as the means of salvation goes against the Gnostic teaching. And we talked a lot about the Gnostics already, but they had a lot of beliefs basically that the physical and the material wasn't important and uh, God was uh, understood or experienced through knowledge, becoming very enlightened and knowledgeable about the special secret knowledge in the angelic levels. And that was nothing that was material. That wasn't anything physical. It was just something up there that, that was all in the brain and all in the spiritual realm. So when John says he sent Jesus to be the savior of the world, There's a means of salvation in the world that he's already talked about Jesus coming into the world. Now, the phrase savior of the world at that time, it's kind of important to understand that they had that phrase already, okay? The people in, at, that, at that point in time, it was a, the, the phrase savior of the world was a title for the gods, okay? Like Zeus, and it was also a common title for the Caesar, the Roman Caesar, savior of the world. He was the benevolent leader of the world, and so they had the phrase, okay? But as believers, the Christians could only see that in Jesus being the savior of mankind for eternity. And so they they used began to, Christians began to use this phrase, savior of the world, in talking about Jesus, and was one of the reasons that they were persecuted by 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 Caesar. At that time, by the Caesar cults, you know, because they they looked at Caesar as the savior of the world, and here's these Christians coming along and talking about Jesus. He's the savior of the world. That's not going to fly. So it was a it was a it was it was a it was a power packed thing, okay. And this is the only time in First John that the word savior is there, okay. But it's talking about. John is making a bold statement about who Jesus is. He sent him into the world as a man, as we talked about before, and he sent him to be the savior of the world. And so that their allegiance would be and their their worship would be of Jesus only. So um, I don't know much more to say about that. Any questions about that? Any thoughts? Don't want to rush through this too fast. <laughs> Alright, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, and God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now I want to throw out a question here that we can talk about a little bit. Why is it important to confess? He uses the word confess. First of all, what does confess mean? Maybe we should start there.
3: to acknowledge. (laughs) To To
0: acknowledge. That's a good one, yes. Mm -hmm. To reveal.
3: To Uh, Confess
0: is not to reveal so much. It's Uh more to acknowledge, Mm -hmm. to to state as fact. Mm -hmm. To admit. To admit, to agree to. To be in agreement with. Okay? Confessing is acknowledge, be in agreement, admit, um, state as fact. Okay? So we're clear on the meaning of that. So, why is it important to do that as Christians about Jesus? Why is it important to confess that Jesus is the Son of God? The, the question I would have before mm-hmm. answering that is is, is, it, is it assumed that confessing is verbal? Or is it an action, or is it both? Maybe you answer that. I'm just wondering, as far as <laughs> the context of this. No, I think that confession is is an agreement too. But I think, uh, I think in a, in a sense, it's, it would be verbal. It would would be a statement. It would be. A, I don't think you would keep confession of something like that a secret. I don't think that's that's what it means.
2: Uh, Thomas, I think that that particular word is almost always, like, throughout the, the Gospels, and this is almost always a insinuated verbal something, even though we understand confession sometimes as, I mean, I'm confessing to God right now, even though I'm not verbalizing, but I'm pretty sure that it has a connotation, not 100%, but a verbalizing
0: it, con- it's, it feels contextual, though, because if you're saying confession, like if I'm confessing my sins mm-hmm. to another believer, mm-hmm. you know, that's like letting out mm-hmm. a secret. So that could be revealed, mm-hmm. but if it's confessing like a, like a, pla- uh, pledging yeah. allegiance mm-hmm. to something, I'm confessing mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like, it's like a pledge, so to speak. It feels like confessing Christ in that mm-hmm. instance. It's like, I'm confessing that this is mm-hmm. this is He, so to speak, you know? Does anybody know off the top of their head what does Romans 10 9 say? We confess,
3: we confess with our with mouth that Jesus Christ
0: is Lord. Okay, it says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raises him the dead, mm-hmm. we will be saved. Mm-hmm. So confessing with our mouth, I believe, is. What this is referring to? Confess confession because if you if you look at the section that Jared talked about um, about the spirits earlier in the chapter, um, it says every spirit in verse three. It says every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Okay, mm-hmm. so verse two says by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. It's it's a verbal confession. It seems to be in the context that we're talking about stating something as fact. Okay, so I believe that it's saying that we, whoever, confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him. Now, why is again back to the question? Let's say, let's assume okay, from the context and from other verses like Romans ten and nine that confession that Jesus is Lord, or Jesus is God come in the flesh, has to be a verbal statement. Why would that be important?
1: I think for us, it's kind of like rectifying like what you believe like there's that verse out of the budgets of the heart and that speaks. It's, it's mm-hmm. like what you believe is kind of like what you say. Yeah. And so it's like acknowledging that what you think in your heart and your mind align. Mm-hmm. And then I think also for like the benefit of others.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like you share the things that you care about with others. And right, if right. you believe in Christ and believe in heaven, it's kind of natural for you to
0: want to share that's very good. Other people. That's very good. She's, she said two reasons there. One of them was that we, out of the abundance of our heart, the heart mm-hmm. mouth speaks, like Jesus said. Mm-hmm. So we say what's what we really believe and we speak it out if it's a truth that's this important, especially. Mm-hmm. Like Jake just asked me who I was going for in the NBA Finals. I don't I have a problem saying I'm for the Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> the
1: problem, right? They don't win.
0: <laughs> okay, so I have no problem confessing that. Okay, but so if we believe something, we have no problem saying it because it comes from our heart, it comes out of us. Okay. So we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. That's one part, and then God abides in us. Okay. Randy,
2: too Like John's giving, he's saying, "If you want to know that you have eternal life, here, here is what will be apparent mm-hmm. in your life or other people's lives: mm-hmm. obedience, love. Mm-hmm. You can see. I can see those things in action. Mm-hmm. Can, if confession, if he wasn't talking about a verbal thing, that's not really. A, well, I don't, I don't know what's. Mm-hmm. It, it, but if you want to see what's apparent, well, somebody that's actually mm-hmm. confessing truth. With their mouth, or maybe even their actions, to kind of support that truth, but but that's what John's wanting to say. Here's what's apparent in people's lives that do believe and do have eternal life, and I think that's yeah. you can you can see confession in somebody's life out of what they say. Yes, in,
1: in conjunction with what he's saying, it says, "Be not hearers of the word, but doers of the word." Yeah. You know, and and so much in it is it. You know, he says, "Your your lips are close to me, but your heart is far from me." Yeah. You know, so it doesn't, it, it could also be not only the profession of our faith, mm-hmm. but how does that manifest in our life? Mm-hmm. And it, you could say you're Christian all day, but if your life doesn't uh, demonstrate
0: yeah.
1: Christ, then, yeah, so I. I well, it it's
0: kind of some of yeah. the tests that we have like the obedience yeah. that the Spirit brings, the confession, the, the adherence to the Word of God, which is the Apostles' mm-hmm. Doctrine. All of those things. Are showing forth, and these are some of the evidences we've talked about. They're not conditions of salvation; mm-hmm. they're evidences that salvation has existed already. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what are the implications about our belief in the love of God? Because it goes on to say, verse sixteen: We so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So we've come to know and to believe that. God has love for us. Why is that important? Now, this may be obvious, but I want us to kind of process it and think about it. What uh, the, the question as I wrote it down in my notes, maybe, maybe it'll make more sense. It's, what are the implications about our belief in the love of God if we don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Oh, that's actually a different question, isn't it? <laughs> But that's a good one.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just thought I had, I thought I had captured it, but I, I didn't. Okay, I'm gonna read it again. Okay, this time think about the question. because okay. they're they're back to back. Okay, what? Okay, <laughs> okay. What are the implications about our belief in the love of God? Like, are we going to believe that God loves us if we don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I think that, I think that's what a lot of people do or try to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the biggest you know, problems or failures with having that that deeper connection that personal mm-hmm. one-on-one, and because they don't they don't want to accept Jesus as the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they feel they can go another route, but that's the only way. Right. And (laughs) they have to come to that realization, that acceptance, in order to fully get that love. Right.
0: So they don't, so if you didn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, are you going to believe that God loves
3: you?
1: I think some people, yeah, they do.
3: Yeah.
1: I think it can take away some of the depth and significance of that love, though. No? Yeah. Because, I, like, him sending his own son to die on the cross for us I think there's I a lot know. of weight to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to just being a good man. Mm-hmm.
0: Really? Well, cool. I think if you don't believe he's the son of God,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you strip everything away
3: mm-hmm. that is precious <laughs> about the gospel, <laughs> that is precious about Jesus,
0: mm-hmm. and... Yeah. <laughs> It, it's, if he's not the son of God, then he becomes a lamb like, the, like the, the Old Testament. Okay. So if he's not the son of God, and we don't believe that, then what is the what is the work of God that shows he loves us? That would be the question. Mm-hmm. I, I think that
4: still, you still have everything that came before Jesus. So like, just like people loved God before Jesus came, and they still honor God and respected God and were in awe of all his... In the moon and the stars and everything else that you know, but there's not the salvation and there's not the the love for you know. So like he, that's where there is isn't there's still this this problem you know for for people who don't accept Jesus. They they can taste the love. They they know it's there. They should have it, but they don't. They don't get the full you know um, the, the whole thing. You know, it's kind of like you get to look inside like like and so they know it's there, but they don't get to go all the way in and you know, bathe in it. You know.
0: I think that's true. I think one of the things that if we look back prior to Jesus on the earth, God had a means that was through yeah. shedding of blood through yeah. sacrifice uh, that he gave the, to the nation of Israel. <laughs> wow. So there was a means of salvation that looked forward to Jesus' death on the cross. So we had that, but I, th- I get what you're saying and I, I agree that without... I think the thing that we need to look at is that if you go back to what we we read last week, okay, and it is in verse uh, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest upon us, or shown to us, okay, that God sent his only son, and we talked about his only son being his only one unique son that's like him, okay into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins or the sacrifice for our sins. So the love that is shown is that God sent his only son, like we know John 3.16, right? The love that God shows is that he sent his son. So if we don't believe that Jesus is that son that he sent, Okay? if we don't believe that He actually gave up His Son and loved us and, and put, it, put forward a sacrifice that caused Him pain, then we won't see that as God loving us. Mm-hmm. Okay, So if we go back to our, our, our verse that we have, we just read in verse uh, 16, we're confessing that Jesus is the Son of God. So when we do we say Jesus is the Son of God. And this is how, kind of says, this is how we've come to know and believe that God has love for us. Because we know that's the Son of God, and we know that God gave him up because of his love for us. So therefore we know that God loves us. So that's the foundational thing, is that we know that God loves me, okay? So let's, let's look at it as a foundation. Okay. Let's look at that as a big foundation. And we say, God loves me. Right? And we put two exclamation points like they do on texting now. Okay? We get excited. We said, that's the foundational thing. And so we have come to know and believe in the love that God has for us. So, because of that belief, we may have some things that, that result from that. This is the foundational stone, okay? So we may have um, obedience here, okay? Okay, because we have, believe in love, in God's love, because we believe this. Um, we believe this. We're looking at this. God loves me, therefore I'm gonna have obedience. I'm also gonna love my brothers, okay? because that results because I know that I've been loved. So again, it looks back to this. God loves me, I love my brothers. And in a few verses, we'll see that based on our understanding of God loves me and I have obedience, I love my brothers, I'm going to have confidence for the day of judgment. We'll get to that in a second. So I mean, That's not gonna topple, don't worry. It's is the foundation. So that's why it's important for us. He said verse sixteen says this so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. So we come to know the believe the love the love that God has for us if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's why the confession of of who Jesus is precedes the understanding of the love of God. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's See, where am I here? It's a con- confesses is a is a truth, confessing a truth. Um it's I was one guy pointed out, it's not enough that a person has some kind of love in his life. Okay? He has to confess to there has to be truth in his life that leads to this kind of love that Jesus has because we, he understands that there's no love. It's not and we talked about this little phrase last week but I want to kind of point it out again because it's key in, in our society because I, I, if you google God is love, you find a lot of weird things about it. There's Buddhist beliefs, there's all kinds of different things. And I went to this one YouTube video. Basically, what, what the guy said was, I see all this diseases, starvation, earthquakes, floods, famines, and he showed graphic pictures of all these different things. And he says, God can't be love. God is not love. Because my understanding of God of love is that God wouldn't allow this. So we subs- This is why this statement is so wrong. What is wrong with the statement we talked about last week? Because love is God. Because like love is kind
1: of like a universal term, but but just to like let. To,
0: to say that love is God is is to like let love rule over you. That's it. Love rules. Love becomes and our definition of what love is becomes the ruling factor.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Which which becomes love becomes the idol. Okay? Or our conception of whatever love is becomes the idol. And it becomes God. It becomes God. So our conception of love Becomes God in our life. It, it rules over everything else. So we can say, well, that's not love, and that's not love, and that's not love. So therefore, God is not love. Because everything I understand about love isn't being met there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's an idolatry here when we say love is God. But God is love because of sending Jesus Christ. Is that.? Is that. Is that Make sense? Mm -hmm. Clear? Okay. So we move on. We get to this one. Verse 17. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now, as I'm going through this, I'm thinking, okay, well, what judgment is this uh, talking about? Because... As you know, as believers, we're waiting for Jesus to return, and in a sense, if we, when Jesus comes for the church, we'll be taken with Him. So that's kind of the judgment that we, as believers, will will uh, have. Uh, the Bible talks about a couple other judgments: one, uh, the sheep and the goats judgment in, in Matthew 25, and the great white throne judgment, and also uh, I think there's one more. Another point in time. I won't go into that right now. But as believers, we're not going to be subject to a judgment for eternity because we're going to be given heaven. We're going to be given eternal, we're given eternal life, and we're taken with Jesus. And I don't have time to go into all of those things right now. But there is a judgment that. <laughs> Did you know that? The reason people say God bless you when you sneeze is they used to believe that that was expelling demons. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you were cursed. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just telling you some random thing that's off top of the agree. Yeah, really.
3: The darkness. The darkness. Sneezing.
0: So, in the context of what we're talking about here, judgment. Let's let's go back to two twenty eight. Could somebody read two twenty-eight? I think context is important to understand further verses down in the the chapter because the mindset of the guy writing is where he's at with what he's writing about. So, look at uh, verse chapter two, verse twenty-eight. Can somebody read that out loud?
1: And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from
0: him in shame at his coming. Okay, we talked about that already. So we're talking about Jesus coming, and us shrinking in shame because we're not abiding in, in him and in his love, right? So there, there's a shame. There's not a, there's not a judgment of, um, how would you put it, eternal judgment one way or the other. It's just being shameful of how we're living our lives when Jesus comes. We'll be saved, but we're, we're kind of uh, ashamed that we're not following the way uh, we're encouraged to do here. So it's talking about confidence, okay? So that when he appears, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence before him and is coming. 321 and 22 says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. So there's another type of confidence that we can pray. Okay? We can pray to God. He's going to hear us. and We're going to receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. So there's this confidence before Christ that is coming. There's confidence in prayer that we're going to get what we ask for. So we get to this one in... in, uh, this confidence, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. Meaning, because we have lived out our lives because Jesus Christ is loving, because Jesus Christ is who He is and we're like Him, then we have confidence that we're, we're, we're living out the way He commanded us to. So, This judgment it's talking about, um, I want to kind of focus in on that a little bit here. Uh, Go to Romans chapter 14. Could I get somebody to read verses 10 through 12? Romans 14, 10 through 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? But we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So that each of us will give an account of himself to God. Okay, there's this There's this. Th- this statement, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And he's talking to Christians, he's saying about their brother, right? Verse 10. why do you pass judgment on your brother, or why do you despise your brother? This is the outworking of that loving one another. We don't pass judgment on our brother, and we don't despise him. Because we love him. Because we've seen we have been loved, okay? So Paul is kind of, uh, I'm just kind of pointing out this, this part here about the judgment seat about this, this this time when all believers will stand before God. And we'll get to another passage about it in a minute. But it says, We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Now, one of the things about this, this word judgment seat is, is is a word that meant kind of like uh, a very uh, similar thing, it's kind of like a reward thing. And they would have the same word for the podium where they gave the, the wreath to the uh, to the winner of the Olympics, okay the place where they were given that wreath and they still have that process today they have like the, the gold and the silver and the bronze right And they have them standing on a podium and in the old Olympic times they used to, they used, to used to come up kind of to the front basically <laughs> and get this get the uh, get the the crown or the, the achievement put on you. And I think Kim would be familiar with this type of thing when she she's involved in it. So You get a winner and there's a crown and everybody comes around and they, they receive their reward. It's that kind of system. Okay? So it's it's a reward system. So what this judgment seat is not a judgment necessarily of is not a judgment for sure of eternity because it's talking about brothers. Christians, believers, right? But we're going to give an account of ourselves. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed son. 2 Corinthians. (laughs) uh, Which one? Oh wait, maybe that's right Yeah, Yeah, that's the right one That's right, I'm sorry Go ahead Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time Wait until the Lord comes He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart At that time, each will receive their praise from God Okay That's pretty exciting We're going to receive our commendation or our praise from God And he's going to judge the purposes and the motives of our heart, Mm -hmm. Okay, So we're seeing this come together, this picture of us as believers coming before the reward place of God. And he's going to judge the motives of our heart. And, And he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness. So as we live out our lives with the knowledge that the heart is going to be exposed, And the things we hide are going to be brought out to light. Going back to 1 John, it says we can have confidence for that day if we're living in life, in love, and actually having our heart, the love of Christ. Okay? One more scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. Somebody read that. This is, a, this is a, a study in and of itself, but it, I'm pointing out that this particular standing before God and receiving the reward, the commendations, the praise from God is something that believers will go through. So this is another instance where it's talked about, Second Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. So So what,
2: go so what do we are at home? Or a way, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil.
0: Okay. There it is again. We're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due for what we've done in the body. So I don't know how it all works out. But this is talked about. So in the context of a judgment for Christians... I believe that John here is talking about that time of judgment because he's talking about because that judgment discloses the motives of the heart. That judgment brings to light what's hidden in the what We might be faking, but that's gonna be brought out. You know, <laughs> the real motives of our heart, the really thoughts of the real thoughts of our heart are gonna be brought out and we'll be rewarded or not rewarded. But to have confidence, going back to 1 John 4, 8, uh, not 4, 8, 4, uh, 17. By this is love perfected or completed or comes to its full place in us, okay? It's, it comes to the place where it's supposed to, is what it means. If, if these things are happening, we've started with God loves me, we have obedience to him, we love the brothers, and we know that that's in our heart, then we can have confidence before God. Okay? And so this, this verse says, By this is love perfected, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. In this context, that's talking about we are like Christ. We have become like Christ in the way we love him. brothers, the way we are obedient to Him and follow Him. Okay? And so, and then it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Or another way of writing that is fear has tor- torment. Okay? Fear, fearing what's going to happen in that situation has torment. Okay? Mm-hmm. It has a, has, has a, there's a foreboding it because we know in our hearts what's going on. Okay? I thought of an example of this that I always, like, I always laughed at. I had two nephews when I was young. Yep, yeah, I still have two nephews. They're older now. But uh they were little guys. One was like two and one was like four, okay? And the one, the two-year-old comes into where the rest of us are, and he's screaming and he's rubbing his eye like this. He's ah, he's screaming away, right? And his dad, my, my brother, goes, Dallas, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? And he doesn't say anything. He's just screaming. And his brother comes in the door. And and, and so my brother asks him, Jason, what happened to him? And Jason goes, I didn't poke him in the eye with a stick. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody said he did, right? But his heart betrayed him. His heart knew that that was what had gone on the guy hadn't said a word he had just been screaming and crying and Jake goes I didn't poke him in the eye with a stick see the the confidence and the foreboding and the torment that Jason had is, oh I, I, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for what I did so even though uh, nobody knew about it uh, he got of let us know what was happening and he had the the expectation of uh, torment, of judgment, mm. right, on Him. And so, John says, in order to avoid that, that type of fear of, of that torments us, that we have a foreboding of, of standing before God and giving account of our lives, if we let God's love be completed and perfected in us, then we're going to have confidence for that day.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Real confidence. A believer who does not love others feels guilty and fears meeting his judge. Maybe Mm -hmm. unconsciously, but he does. His conscience punishes him. Mm -hmm. A Christian who loves others demonstrates that his relationship with God is essentially what it should be. So he need not fear the judgment seat of Christ. Now we got a letter in the mail the other day. This is kind of that's another illustration of this, okay? But you can kind of relate maybe if you've ever got, had to go to court, okay? <laughs> and we got a letter in the mail about an accident that uh, my wife was in um, four years ago. I asked her if I could tell the story. She said, you know, <laughs> "Just, Just for clarification. So the court date is in September. And so we're kind of, my son and her and everybody, we're all worried about this, right? We're worried because uh, what had happened was she, they had gone. My Angela had gone through the yellow light, and the guy had turned unsafely in front of her and got hit. And there was a lady behind us that that is a witness to it, and she's a witness, and they're going to get her testimony. And she's and they. I, know, I called the lawyer. I said, "What's going on with this?" He said, "Oh, don't worry. We got this lady. that's going to testify that." she also came through the light too and it, it had just changed and most people did an unsafe trip. and the lawyer said you also have everything taken care of under your insurances if, and the amount they're asking for is going to be taken care of even if they win but you have somebody that's going to speak for you <laughs> and this kind of reminded me of that if we have, if we have sin we have an advocate of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. the righteous one but also the sense of relief that came over knowing that we're probably going <coughs> to do well get this. also even if we don't it's taken care of now if that isn't an illustration of the gospel i don't know what it is
3: <laughs> right
0: so how great is our confidence for the day of judgment? Let me ask this what should we do to be prepared as a church? Look what we do for each other. Any thoughts on that? I think it goes
1: back to this Mm
3: -hmm. um,
1: foundational cake. I know that is.
3: Um, <laughs> it's building blocks. Yeah. Okay. bricks. A... <laughs> 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 I like the cake <laughs> idea. I'm sure
1: you
4: can. <laughs> oh, I don't
1: know. Oh, I, I like the cake.
4: cake. I like I the cake. cake. Yeah. Wedding cakes is Zen thing.
1: <laughs> 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 but <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just keep. Saying I think like doing. being obedient to the word,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: then like loving one another. Like I think all that kind of like falls back down to that foundation of us loving God. Like we prepare for the
3: mm-hmm.
1: judgment by being obedient by loving
0: one
3: another. that's
0: other people too. Mm-hmm. It's built on that foundation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's accurate. One of the things I was thinking about in this in this in this illustration was there's a lot of people that start over here. I know what I should do. I'm supposed to obey the commandments of God. So we start that as our our foundation. And we're gonna, you know, it's 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 kind of a failure, right? You know. Complete. And then we have, uh, well, I'm supposed to love the brothers, so we try to love, but it's forced.
3: Yeah.
0: And we have confidence, but no, it's 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 a very weak confidence. It's confidence. It's weak, and it's full of shame. Okay? And we're supposed to get up here, decide to get these things at our foundation for God loving us? It's not going to work.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if that's an accurate illustration. Mm-hmm. I haven't tested that's it as the theologians. Yeah. theologian. You see how our own failure, our own forced love of the brother without God, without understanding God loves me, mm-hmm. period, our own confidence is going to be weak, and so if we don't have this as truth,
3: mm-hmm. as the bedrock,
0: the foundational truth, so I think that one of the things that we can look at is when we're looking, looking at what we can do for each other, to kind of reinforce this. Is let's go to Hebrews ten twenty three. This is just some things that. Um, this is not everything it's not, exi- not an exhaustive list by any means but it's some of the things we do in the body to get ourselves toward um, being like Christ so it says I, I'm cutting in on the context a little he- bit here but I'm just going from verse 23 to verse 25 it says let us hold fast the confession of our hope let's hold on to what we believe you know, what, he, what he's saying without wavering for he who promised is faithful so we look at the faithfulness of God and we hold fast to what we believe in what we know is true and verse 24 let us consider so we think we begin to think let us consider how to stir up one another there's a a word, word in the King James Version that says provoke Really, when we hear, hear the word provoke, we think anger, right? Mm-hmm. You provoked it, you made it mad. You know? But it says to stir up one another or to provoke one another to love and good works. <laughs> so we, there is a process of thinking about how am I going to help this person love more and, and do good things, okay? So it says, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. So if we're meeting together, We have this opportunity to love and to provoke to good works, right? So he says, not neglecting to meet together, as is is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. There's encouraging. So we're encouraging. We're provoking to love and good works. We're encouraging one another. We're holding fast to the confession with other people that are holding fast to that confession. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day of Christ, the end. Of it. So there's there's something that we can look at, right? There's 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 some practical things how we can encourage each other in these things: to obedience, to loving the brothers, to holding fast the confession that God loves me, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He sent into the world. And that becomes what everything is based on. I want to go back just for a second to um, verse nineteen. We love because He first loved us.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If we don't believe, if we don't understand the love of God, Christ, if we don't have, have, if we haven't come to this place where we know and believe the love that God has for us, that will not happen. We won't be able to love. So John keeps over and over going back to this, going back to uh, that bedrock thing. Okay, We love because he first loved us. And that's, that's, that's why it's so fundamental to know that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? God sent him
3: into the world and he loved us by sending us into the world. Is that place for